You have entered Kindergeist, a horror podcast for kids and ghouls. <laughs> hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I'm Zachary and this is Xanthi, the auntie. If it's your first time with us here at the Kindergeist podcast, our goal is to create a space for kids to explore horror through fun, inspiring, and meaningful dialogue. We exist to help the younger generation embrace themselves for being different, break the stigma that horror isn't for kids, and to make a positive impact on the horror community at large. Typically, we would host this with my niece, Zakia, but she is currently busy, so it's just Zachary and I today. We're about to interview the alien and Melissa. The conversation went good, and they were both nice. They had a lot of energy, which I liked. It's always exciting to meet somebody who's from a different background, of a different culture, and and in this case, an entirely different species. So it was a real treat. Melissa is a wonderful human. He is a wonderful extraterrestrial. Did you have any surprises talking to someone not from our planet? Yeah, kind of. It's weird how aliens don't have oxygen, but they breathe from their bodies. Right. That's like so unique compared to us. Okay, guys, let's get on into the episode. Hi there. Hello. My name is E. What's your name? I'm Zachary. That's great. Really nice to meet you, Zachary. I like meeting humans. Uh, You're very intimidating. <laughs> oh, I don't mean to be intimidating. I'm, I'm just me. It's no big deal. Yeah, it's fine. Can you tell the people that are listening to this podcast, who are you and what do you do? Oh, thanks. I'd love to. Uh, so uh, my name is... In human talk, it sounds like E. My species has a very loud and high-pitched um, frequency, so it, it normally it would be more E, but that's unpleasant. So I just go with E with humans. I am from several galaxies away. Our planet is called Zorgon, but mostly we just call it home because you know how it is. My culture is very into uh, interplanet tourism, and Earth is one of my favorite places to visit. I have spent a fair amount of time here, but I also like visiting other planets because they have different things. I'm very lucky. I don't have to work. Our species doesn't have to eat. We really uh, believe in supporting everyone, the collective, so we we have what we need, uh, and we, we don't have to work. I mean, we take turns looking after each other if we need that, uh, but we don't really have to have jobs. So, uh, you know, if nobody needs help with anything, I've got time to go visit other planets. That's cool. Can you describe what you look to our listeners Yes, absolutely. And uh, even I know that I didn't want to come on video, and I feel like I should address that first because I know it seems a bit rude. We have very strict tourism guidelines, and we're not really supposed to broadly um, become known. You know, we don't want to upset or frighten people. 
So, I mean, uh, not everyone follows the rules all the time. Uh, I, you know, you might have heard things over the years. But what I look like is generally to you humans, because of how your eyes work, is I look mostly see-through, but blurry along the edges. So, you know, sometimes you might think you see something because there's just a bit of motion and you look and there's nothing. And that might be uh, me or one of my friends. But we also have the really exciting ability to look like something else. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen what octopi can do. Octopuses, they can, they have these really fancy types of skin that can change and look and look like all sorts of other things. So we're kind of like that. And it's really fun and exciting. That's cool. Are you kind of related to the way that jellyfish look? Sometimes, depending on how uh, the sun is shining, we do have a little bit more of a translucency color. It's not very noticeable. You kind of have to be looking for it. Mm-hmm. Now, on our home planet, we have a very different uh, lighting source, so we can see each other just fine. You know, we're not bumping into each other or anything. It's just, you know, different planets have different things happening. So we look different because of your sun and your lights. Oh, oh, that makes me wonder, um, do you also have younglings? Oh, oh, younglings. Oh, is that what you call children? Oh, that's cute. Oh, that's so cute. I haven't heard that before. I actually do not have any children yet. And it's, oh, that is something I also thought I should remember. So many things I was hoping to try to remember to tell you because I thought you might find it interesting. You... And many of your species on Earth have uh, only the female gets pregnant and has babies. Whereas my aliens, uh, oh, I'm sorry, we don't really call each other aliens, I should mention my people. I mean, obviously, we're just our people, right? Like, you guys are kind of aliens to us. But we don't really get to choose when we're going to have children. You just sometimes you get like a little, it looks like a little you know, mole, maybe on your arm, and you think, oh, is that a mole? And then maybe it is, and then maybe it just turns into a baby that develops and grows and then pops out as a small little, it's kind of a cross between um, sort of an egg and a cocoon. And then, I mean, obviously we know what it is, and we're like, oh, well, we better rearrange the schedule. Gotta, someone's got to stick around with the cocoon for a while. And then they hatch. It's uh, it's really interesting. It's kind of it's more surprising than uh, than you know we don't have as much notice as you guys. Oh, that's super fascinating. I'm wondering, uh, Zach, do you have any moles? <gasps> no. Okay, he's not pregnant. I have never heard of moles on humans turning into babies. I just want to be clear. <laughs> I don't want to alarm any of your listeners who are looking at a freckle or a mole. And uh, you know that would be unsettling. I understand. Do you guys have any trees in your planet? No. That is one thing I love about planet Earth is that you have so many beautiful trees. We actually live underground, and it's more cavernous. And there's crystals and other things that don't quite translate in the same way. We have more sort of mountainous and then cavernous regions with sparkly crystals, which is beautiful in its own way. 
But, uh, oh, your trees and sun are really something. And also, how do you guys breathe? Like, what what source is, like, for you guys to breathe and stuff? Well, uh, we really just breathe through our skin. We just absorb whatever, you know, is the most prevalent gas, and our body manages to convert it into... For ourselves, it's actually helium that makes us work, not oxygen like you guys. You know what? Maybe that's why we have very high-pitched sounding, you know, communications. That never occurred to me in all this time. Oh, thank you for asking that question. What can you do as an alien? You know, the shape-shifting is pretty exciting, being able to turn into things because then I can blend in when I go to visit places. Uh, like, say I want to go to the zoo, but I don't want to cause any kind of drama. You know, sometimes I'll just turn into a squirrel. Or very, I mean, I look like a squirrel. You know, obviously, if you poked me, I would probably say, oh my goodness, in my own voice and pop back into my regular shape. So it's not actually a squirrel, it just looks like a squirrel. Because then I can run around and see all the animals. And I don't even have to pay for snacks because someone will drop a popsicle or popcorn. And, you know, great. I don't have to eat, but I can eat if I want. So that's something I could do. And, oh, you know what? I'm pretty good at spaceship repair. Uh, the way you guys have all sorts of different ways of getting around, like you have skateboards and scooters and electric bikes and bikes and then buses and cruise ships. Like we have a lot of similar uh, spaceship options. And uh, I'm just, I turned out to be really handy at that. I just I kind of have a knack of thinking like, oh, it's the Huzma what's it that's down. Or, oh, we obviously need more uranium for this. So that's a lot. I think that's pretty good. You, you mentioned sometimes you like to transform into a squirrel. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> how do you know if it's like when you're transforming that it's like a fellow um, species versus like the mammal species? Do you mean, how do I know if it's one of my, if I'm imitating a squirrel that's real or if it's another um, person from my planet? Well, uh, something interesting about uh, my people is that we mostly communicate without making noise. Like making noise is an option. And when we get excited, there's a lot of, ah! you know, uh, but uh, we also have the option and, and everyone can choose their own privacy in their own mind of just reaching out to their consciousness with our brain. So basically, if I see another squirrel, I'll be like, Hey, Frank, is that you? And, you know, and if there's no answer, I mean, it's probably just a regular squirrel. Or Frank isn't in the mood to chat, and that's fine. You know, sometimes people on holiday want quiet time. I get it. This is this is a good question. Are you friend? I mean, do you know who E.T. is? Oh, yes. I watched that movie. It is so sweet. Just lovely. Just lovely. Are you uh, friends? Oh, you know what? I have not met him. He really became a big deal after he got to his home planet and kind of has a pretty big celebrity status. And I, you know, celebrities have a hard time with their privacy as it is. I've seen him at a couple of, you know, big intergalactic fairs. I've seen him, you know, across the fairgrounds. But I thought, hey, hey, he's had a lot of attention. 
you know, I'm just going to let him have a quiet time. And I'll have that little moment where I think, oh, I've seen E.T. So I'm sorry. I can't tell you anything more exciting than that. What do you usually do on a daily basis on your planet? I like to go around and check on my family and see, you know, does anyone have a cocoon that needs looking after? Or sometimes I will play, uh, we have extensive, uh, like, three-week-long board game tournaments. So, you know, if we're in the middle of one of those, then I'll check in. Um, If I'm not personally playing, I'll check in with my friends and family to see if they want any strategy tips or my opinion on the moves they could make next and I spend I spend a fair bit of time thinking about what uh, other planets I should head to and of course then I work on some spaceship repair because you know I gotta be able to get there and I work on other people's spaceships other people who aren't very good at the repair stuff you know I help them out especially the people who are responsible tourists the ones who are irresponsible there have been a few you know you know, the when they apparently find spacecraft on Earth, that's probably Steve. Steve is really kind of, oh, he means well, but he's a little bit reckless. So I, I don't hurry to help Steve with his repairs. Do you watch any movies? Oh, you know, sometimes uh, when I come to Earth, I will watch movies because that seems to be a uniquely human thing. I mean... Uh, my people will do more plays. We're more play people, like theater. It's a very different style, but uh, I do like human movies. They really just draw you in. I mean, a lot of it is the music, isn't it? It tells you when to be happy or scared or excited, and oh, it's thrilling. Do you feel like the uh, extraterrestrial representation in films is accurate or is it offensive? Sure. No, I get it. I get it. Um, Some of the stuff is a bit much. It's not totally accurate, but I I understand things from different planets are scary. And uh, not everyone is a very good communicator or ambassador, uh, like Steve being reckless and leaving equipment all over the world, for heaven's sakes, right? And uh, (laughs) you know what? there There is a group of aliens who are kind of jerks. And the Intergalactic Treaty has really focused uh, on reining them in. Like, the Alien movies was based on, oh my goodness, one of their people that just went completely rogue. It was just the word, like, this person went beyond jerkishness. And uh, I think at least 50% of that movie is probably true. But we really tried to work to rein that in because it's not fair to go around other planets scaring people. I mean, that's just not nice. And especially since you're not, you guys don't have any space tourism. Like, it's just not, um, it's not really fair. Well, thank you so much for your insight. Oh, my pleasure. Do you have like, uh, how do I say this? I don't know how to say this. Uh, Oh, just keep using words. You'll stumble on the right ones. Don't worry. Does anyone? Like, bully you or anything at your planet? You know what? For the most part, they are a pretty good group of people. We are, we're just a very, uh, a chill bunch. I mean, sometimes somebody has a bad day and they get snippy and, you know, we just try to give them space and then we'll talk about feelings later. 
yeah, for whatever reason, we have a pretty relaxed community, which uh, is really nice because I know that's not the way for everyone. We also spend a lot of time talking to our cocoons before they hatch about making, you know, about what our community is about and how we, the expectations, and they tend to absorb a lot of that. So they don't have to do as much learning, you know, about how to interact with people in kind and respectful ways. What advice would you give to human kids who are dealing with bullies since uh, it sounds like the alien species. Sorry if I keep calling you alien. I feel like I don't want to. No, I understand you don't mean anything by it. That's okay. (laughs) Since it sounds like your species has a very, um, you're very prepared in like battling bullying. Um, How would you advise human children to deal with who are dealing with those situations in their schools or homes or whatnot? Oh, that's tough because every situation is, is different. I would say first, it's really important to talk to an adult you trust so that you make sure you have some support. And then you want to, you know, you've got a few different strategies that I've seen work really well for humans. Um, Some of it is just laughing at bullies because then, you know, you're not even taking them seriously, right? You don't really want to give them the airtime and the power. Changing the topic or laughing or sometimes, you know, I've seen kids just agree and be like, sure, yep, these <laughs> shoes are ugly. What are we going to talk about next? Or like, yeah, my shoes are ugly. Uh, I'm going to go play soccer now. Like, just who cares? You know, so some of that can really work. But if you're dealing with a really, you know, a really toxic person, who has really recruited other people, you really want to start chipping away at the edges and talk to the people at the fringe of the group and say, like, oh, you know, I don't think that's cool behavior, and just start having them rethink, you know, because sometimes it's just easy to do what other people are doing. Yeah, thank you for your thoughtful answer. I I hope it's helpful, And, and if it's not, it's really important to talk to an adult that you trust. Yeah. I do have to say, uh, regrettably, E, that we are running out of time with you. But we have uh, one last question before you leave us and go back to, um, is it Zorg, Zorgon, I believe your planet was called? That's right. What would you like to tell the kids of the Earth? Oh, my goodness. That's such a big question. Just one thing. Okay. You know what? I feel like this is going to be... The mega answer that all my other answers will fall, that anything else I'd want to say falls under. I would say when you get older, but you can start thinking about it now, make sure you vote. You have to look at people, the people who are in charge really set the tone for how to act and how to treat people. So it's important, even though sometimes it feels like a really long homework assignment to look at who's saying what and who can you believe, it's really important to vote. Like, your class president. If you have a class president in school or a student leader and you get to vote for them, it's really important to pick someone who you think will be kind and strong. But real quick, can I just tell you what I went for as Halloween last night? Yeah, sure. Okay, you guys have the best T-Rex costumes. You know, the inflatable ones. Oh my goodness, they make me laugh. I know I could morph into anything, but nothing's funnier than that. Everyone loves it. 
I love that costume. It's so cute. Oh, I'm so glad you agree. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I want to thank you so much, E, for taking the time to speak with us. And again, thank you to Melissa for connecting us with you. I will definitely thank Melissa. Uh, thank you so much for having me. And um, I might see you around. Keep an eye on the squirrels. I will. <laughs> Bye. Oh, oh hi. <laughs> They're so nice. Just a really good person, right? Yes, nice. It was nice. Just refreshing from all the, you know, traditional alien frightening stuff. Definitely, especially, you know, because when I think of aliens, I just think of the xenomorph because it's my favorite alien design, but it's it's fiction. What do you think of Zachary when you think of aliens? Gray and mm -hmm. black eyes. Yes. Traditional. Uh, what do you do? Like, what is, what do you work as? Well, I'm not working right now because I have some health problems. But what I used to do was very fun. I used to work at a university and work with students in all sorts of different ways to help them learn all sorts of skills and connect to big events that we would be having. One of the skills that um, my area would help facilitate students learning is something I really believe in, and it's called bystander intervention. I, you know, I heard E talking about bullying. In bullying and any other situation, uh, that's not great. There's usually people standing around who are just looking and they don't really know what to do. They may be thinking like, oh, this isn't a good situation. And those people are called bystanders. And there's all sorts of ways that they can interrupt bad behavior to help the person out who is in difficulty and redirect what is happening. So that is something I really used to like doing was helping students get involved with that because it's such a great life skill because I think most of us has been in a situation where we thought like, oh, should I do something? But then you look at everyone else and they're not doing anything. And then maybe you don't know what to do or how to best do that. So being able to practice that skill and think of ways to help was really great. So I learned that in school like a couple of days ago. So that's kind of cool. That's amazing. It has really become a thing uh, over the past several years. But I would say 15 years ago, it really wasn't a thing. It was talked about in some university psychology classes because that's they would call it the bystander effect, where people would just stand around and look at each other and be like, oh, I guess we won't do anything. And so there's been a real effort in communities to help people overcome that. Maybe if, even if it's a medical emergency, they have found that if people who have had bystander training are more inclined, if someone falls on the sidewalk, to stop and help because they're not worried what other people are thinking and they see that there might be a problem, so they just stop and see if people are okay. And it's really, it's a really caring thing to have. What did you think of the training, Zachary? Um, it was nice. So what is what is your relationship with E? Like, do you guys talk often? Unfortunately, my Earth technology does not reach their home planet. So I kind of have to wait for him to pop by. But he and they, he, they use both pronouns, are very um, 
very respectful. They seem to have a sense. Like, I think they generally just kind of reach out very gently into my consciousness to find out if it's a good time. Like, you know, E never shows up when I'm like in the shower or something or, <laughs> or you know, or I'm in the car on the highway. Like they're not going to pop in and scare me or anything. So they're very considerate. Do you like, do you usually like, like watching horror? I do like some scary stuff. Some stuff is very very scary for me but middle range scary i quite like but say the movie the exorcist so scary when i was in university that was on um tv one night and back then it was only cable tv so you got all the channels and all the commercials and i was either home alone or my roommate had gone to bed so i didn't have anyone and it was just quiet and dark. And so I kept flipping between The Exorcist and a football game. Because I, football games, not scary, right? People are shouting and cheering and there's commentary. Bill, did you see the what's happening in the 49-yard line, right? So it, was, it really helped me watch more of the movie. Uh, but some of them are just too scary. And there's another one. Oh, I forget who it is. There's like a woman who crawls on the ceiling. Up, ah, it was just I, I saw the preview several years ago and I thought no that's too much for me so I kind of pick and choose but you know what else here's another hint if you're watching the movie at home you can if you mute it 10 times less scary it's the music right so if you mute it you can be like okay you understand the plot and what's happening but it's not or when they jump scare when somebody like leaps out because the music gets so loud in that moment like for me my body can't help but jump but sometimes if I just need a minute to calm down then I like I mute it. Yeah, Zachary was just, um, we were talking about playing horror video games and he said something similar where you have to turn down the volume while you're playing so you don't get too spooked. And sometimes it's just not a good time to watch a horror movie. Like if you're having, I don't know, a stressed out or jumpy day, I then I decide maybe that's not a good horror day for me. <laughs> Every day for me is a horror day. <gasps> really? I, I mean, I guess because like, Almost every day, I don't know if you guys are like familiar with them, but I was watching the, these people called Sam and Colby. Okay. And they're they're like ghost hunters, and it's so interesting. So like, it's so funny because sometimes I watch it by myself, and I had I was hugging my blanket so like so hard. I was like, to make sure there was no ghost around me. That is critical. From when I was a kid until now, when I go to bed, everything has to be under a layer of even just a sheet. Like, toes, can't leave those hanging out, fingers, nope, I don't want to touch something and not know what it is, you know? Somehow, from here up, like, mid-cheek up, I'm not worried about that. But, yeah, I don't leave anything hanging out. What if something touches it? Ah! Yeah, I was thinking um, kind of going back to what, when you were working at university, because you, you mentioned to me that it was in a castle, which sounds spooky in itself. Yes. So the castle was one job I had. Uh, I was not there the whole time. I was there for like a year and a half, two years kind of thing. And it is an old castle in England in the middle of nowhere, like around, it's, we're talking farmland around it. There was the castle and then up the hill was a student residence and there were cows outside. Like sometimes we would get complaints that the cows were being too noisy. And I'm like, ah, 
can't control the calves. <laughs> but the castle. So I actually lived in the castle in um, an apartment that was one big room. My kitchen was in the turret, so the like octagonal room. And then my bathroom was on one side, and there was a giant mirror across one most of one side of the wall that looked into the rest of the apartment. And for whatever reason, if I ever got up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, I just would not look in the mirror because I was like, it's me. And then two floors up was the executive director and his wife. And that's it. Like maybe security was doing around, but like, where am I going to go if I get scared? Don't look behind you. Don't look behind you, Melissa. Who knows? Don't find out. Just go back to bed and get everything out of the covers. You'll be fine. And one floor up and just over, there was a conference room. And that section of the hallway scared me. I don't know why. My office was down that hallway and then up some more stairs. And I would work many hours and often would go back to work in the evening to get a couple hours of work done. And we would turn the lights off at the in the castle at night. Like you turn the lights on for where you're going, then you turn them off behind you, like in a house. And when I would come down that hallway, I would get to that and I would come down the stairs from where I was, flip on the lights. I would just, and it's not like I didn't hear anything. I just got this scared feeling inside that like, oh, something wasn't quite right. And so I would turn on the light and I would run to the other end to get to my other stairwell, flip off the lights, then run down the stairs to my apartment. I heard there was a ghost in the castle when I lived there that lived near another staircase, but I was just refused to hear about it. I was like, that's okay. Nope. I don't want to know. I live here frequently alone. So I never looked into it because I was like, there's just no need to make me more like, Ooh, what's happening? So what was your first, like, when did you first see like horror? Oh, I can tell you exactly when it was a sleepover in grade four at Jenny's house, her mom and she had an older sister uh, and her mom was, I guess, incredibly permissive because we were watching Poltergeist, which is kind of a classic old movie where a little girl gets like sucked into a TV another um, world. If I'm remembering this all correctly, I've seriously never gone back to watch it. And there's a tree outside that's scary. There's a lot of scary stuff. And we were up half the night. I had nightmares. It was a little beyond what I could manage, but it was so exciting to be so scared with a group of other people in this, like someone else's house. And they had like cool, interesting dim lighting so it was like a whole thing, but I have a very clear recollection. And I'm sure my parents were unhappy because I wanted to sleep with all the lights on after that and was pretty, you know, freaked out for a couple weeks there. It definitely traumatized the whole generation of kids. <laughs> yep. I don't know if other, but you know what? Other kids watched scarier shows that I wasn't allowed to watch. Like they talked about some alien TV show called V. I don't know. I heard I have never seen it, but they talked about it all the time in grade four. And I was like, your parents let you stay up to watch that? All right. I think I complained to my mother who was just like, oh, well, you're not other kids. Something sensible. Or she knew I'd be too scared and was just like, I don't want to deal with this. Oh, that makes me um, think of, because you are from Canada, correct? Like you're Canadian? 
Yes, I am. And speaking to you from Canada now, even. <laughs> Live from Canada. I was wondering, like, what's the popular horror over there? Oh, popular horror. Or ghost stories or anything related. Oh, well, a city I used to live in, Kingston, Ontario. I'm in the province of Ontario right now. Mm-hmm. And there was old jailhouse that was on the site of the courthouse had people die in prison there back in the my dates are poor hundred ish years ago there might have been hangings there was definitely ghost tours that would go around town and give you frightening ghost tours and they were very like someone would show up in a dark cape and dark clothes with a lantern and there was maximum 20 people wandering around at night hearing these scary ghost stories of like, oh, people were maybe trapped in a fire and there's a bed and breakfast that's haunted. Lots of frightening things like that. But popular horror, we get a lot of um, American TV shows and movies also. So we definitely share popular culture with all of you. What scares you in life? Oh, Okay, well, I was up at a cottage up north once, and it was dark, and it was midweek, and there was nobody up there, and there was no streetlights, and I was reading a book called The Shining by Stephen King, which is a very scary book, and I was afraid of the darkness and what could be out there, and there would be no neighbors to hear me scream, and what if I got kidnapped by bad aliens? So... (laughs) When it started getting dark, I would run around and close and lock all the doors and close all the drapes. And then I slept in the smallest bedroom in the smallest bed so that I could feel like tight and cozy. And I went to bed early. I was like, no, staying up late. You're just going to get yourself more freaked out. (laughs) And then after paranormal things, I would say I'm mostly scared of people who just don't care about other people at all. I think they're... A tremendous problem in society and that we could all be living happier, nicer lives if people were required to care about their communities more and see how their behavior impacts everyone else. Yeah, real life is the most frightening of all. It's true. That and the Canadian tax system, it is so confusing. Oh my goodness. Did you know in the UK, their tax system is they just take money off of your bills you don't have to do your tax like off of your pay pay as you earn one season i was saying to some people at work they're like oh i gotta sort out my taxes for canada and they were just like what are you even talking about i'm like what are you talking about that you don't understand this you know it's a whole thing up here and in the uk there's just no they just figured out there's no paperwork living the dream i'm wondering like what do you know about taxes zachary do have they kind of talked about that with you yet all i know about taxes is when you go to a store and you buy some buy something, there's going to be a tax. So that's the only thing I know about taxes. And you know what? You don't have to know at your age. That's great. I remember not knowing about taxes, and it was a good time. I'm not even <laughs> going to tell you anything more about taxes. Why? We don't need to ruin your life. <laughs> Is there a ghost there? You keep looking. <laughs> yeah, I feel like... I would be so scared if my dad just changed the light right now. Um, since, uh, what horror do you rec- I mean, recommend for kids? 
Now, I would like to first give myself an out by saying that they've come out with some fantastic stuff for kids in the past 10 or 15 years. Uh, there wasn't really the same kind of thing when I was growing up. But something that might be good for kids, depending on what their parents think, is Ghostbusters. Both the original and the reboot with um, Melissa McCarthy and Kate McKinnon and crew. Some of it is, t it might be too scary or, you know, there's rude language. Uh, but I remember watching go the original Ghostbusters when I was younger, 12, 14-ish, maybe. And for me, it was the right amount of, like, scary and exciting and funny and silly. So, but that comes with the, like, check with your parents caveat. And I did Google it to make sure I wasn't saying something totally ridiculous and parents on the internet... There's a wide range of people who have said that their children can watch it. So I hope this is no, I hope no one, I hope no parent listening wants to send me hate mail, but if you can, please get it through the podcast and I will respond. Um, you do improv. So, um, what advice would you give to kids who want to try improv? Oh, I am so glad you asked about improv because most people who like improv can't wait to talk about it. Improv is a fantastic way of playing for all ages. And it helps you discover things about yourself that you never knew, that you had skills, or that you can engage people, or that you can be funny, or you can imitate people well. And I would just say, try it. And you know what? Try it. If it's not your thing now, try it again in a few years. Maybe it'll be your thing then. Because I didn't know that improv was going to be for me. I just kind of thought, hey, that sounds like a class, like a drama class I did when I was a kid. Uh, and I signed up for classes and thought, eh, like, it'll probably be nice. I mean, if it's terrible, I'm an adult. I just don't have to go back. But it was fantastic and so much fun. And now I get to do Zoom improv with all sorts of costumes. Because it's on a screen and not in real life, you can pull out costumes. And if, if you've ever thought you might want to have fun, you should try improv. Um, so talk, still talking about improv, uh, what do you think kids should start? I don't really know how to explain it. Why? Uh, do you mean like um, how do they even begin to find out what it is? Yeah. Now that is a bit of a mystery to me because I didn't really know about improv until I was hmm, much older. And yet I heard people, I've heard many people talk about that they did improv in high school. And I was like, well, my high school never had that option. Bummer. Um, but I would say, ask your parents. Or if you have access to a computer, Google. Type in improv in your city. Or type in improv for kids Zoom and see if they have online Zoom uh, improv for kids. Because that's also, you know, if you're really stressed out about improv, a nice way to try it is on your computer. Because then you're not right in front of people. You know, if being around people or doing it makes you really nervous... It's kind of nice to have this bit of distance and feel like, oh, you're still at home in a safe space. And you can try out some things or ask around. Some adults probably, some adult in your life probably knows somebody who does improv and they'll be like, what? You want to play an improv game? 
And the next time they see you, they'll be like, okay, I've got three games. You're going to love them. Here's how they go. So the, uh, the minute you open the door to improv, someone will be very anxious to encourage you. Before we wrap all this up, do you have anything to plug on on like social media? Here's what I'm going to say about social media. I am, and I know you mean plug, but here's my statement. I am so lucky that I grew up without social media because I did not have to make mistakes on social media. All the things, I can imagine all the things I would have done that I would now be embarrassed about. And so now, even as an adult, I don't spend a lot of time on social media doing stuff. I look at what other people are doing, but I like my privacy. So thank you. But I don't have anything on social media to plug beyond Xanthi and I are on the same improv team. And if people want to watch uh, us creating stories out of thin air, they can watch us at improvcollege.com. I would give us maybe another couple weeks. We're still getting in our groove. We're a new team. But, you know, you can check out some of our shows. We're on you. Sh- our, our team name is You Should Have Seen Us Last Week. And we are delightful people. I mean, even if the story doesn't always come together, you're going to love us personally. Fall in love, absolutely. That is my very long answer. I'm sorry. That was probably far too long. It's okay. Thank you for plugging that. You're very kind, Zachary. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Melissa. Before, um, Zachary is just quickly going to close out the episode, but we did want to say thank you so much for taking the time to be with us and also inviting E to chat with us as well. My pleasure. You both are very lovely, very sweet, and it was lovely to chat with you. Thank you so much, Melissa, for chatting with us. Thank you so so much, guys. Subscribe to this and add us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Search Kindergeist Podcast. And remember, you are loved, you are a baddie, and remember to live on the fright side. Bye.